1: When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Waterfowlers. Thank you for joining me again today. My name is Elliot, and this is the North American Waterfowler podcast. This is episode Number 30, and this is a very special, unique episode that I am recording tonight, I have asked my wife Beth to come on here with me, and we are going to talk about, we're going to deep dive the relationship between um, a man specifically, because sometimes women duck hunt too, but um, this is specifically a man duck hunter, someone who is eaten up with the sport like I am, like we are if you're listening to this, North American waterfowlers, And what it means to the wives or the girlfriends that have to put up with our passion. And as men, what we can do to help our wives cope, deal with, accept the passion that we want to do. And like I said, I brought Beth Beth on here. And she is going to talk about her perspective from um, the time that she met me and waterfowl hunting and how she views that relationship. And this is meant to be a lighthearted, fun podcast. But at the same time, this topic is really, really important. Really, really serious because if you love waterfowl hunting as much as I do, then you want your wife to accept your passion. You want your wife to support you in your passion. You want your wife to celebrate in your successes, and at least kind of understand your mentality around what you're doing. Um, the last thing you want is to be absolutely obsessed with waterfowl hunting and have to fight your wife about it, have to get nagged about it, have to feel like it's a it's a total issue in your life. Because peace in a marriage, peace in a relationship, you don't have that that peace with your wife or your girlfriend, your whole life's gonna be going to be more difficult. So um, here she is. Beth, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Good. I sprung this on you yesterday.
2: Yes, I'm like, you hey, did.
1: come on the podcast. And you said, I'm kind of surprised you asked me. Why were you surprised that I asked you to come on the podcast?
2: Because I've had nothing to do with this for the whole time that you've been on YouTube.
1: You've been on one other podcast. We recorded one um, with Ben and Jordan. And Aiden was with us at the lodge. You were on that podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was good. And you have lots of insightful things to say. Um, So Beth has been, we've been married for 10 years Mm -hmm. and we met each other at a child's birthday party. Mm -hmm. And we were kind of involved in the same church, small groups, but at different times. And so we, uh, the leader of the small group, we ended up at the birthday party and that's how we met. And we're going to go through Beth's perception of when she found out I duck hunted, cause she has some interesting things to say about that. And, and, and all of, before we get into that, I want to talk about last year, I got Beth to come with me and our daughter Penelope is not a freshman. She was an eighth grader um, during this event. I got them to come out with me on a teal hunt and so we're going to jump right into the comment of the week because i'm going to have beth respond to whatever is on your mind they're not really questions i I went through the hunt and i looked through all the comments of the teal hunt that you and penelope went on with me and i picked out just some interesting comments so i'm going to read them to you and just get your reaction to it then i'm actually going to let you guys hear about two and a half minutes of audio from that hunt because her and penelope had some very interesting conversations, some interesting things to say. <coughs> and Sorry. so I'm going to let you guys hear some of that audio. And then Beth's going to break down that um, experience. So let's go ahead and start with the comment, of the, week. Time for the comment of the week. All right. So comment of the week. This first one there is, let's see, one, two, three. Four of these. The first comment came from Tim Wagner, and he said, you must make lots of money to have a wife like that. Love daughters. Let's spin on the seat. I'm bored, which if you remember, Penelope was spinning on the yeah. seat. Let me read all these, and you can comment to them. Uh, the second one is, yup, and he said, so funny. Insight into the day, a day in the life of. Your ladies do not hold back if it's time to humble their pack leader. Jammin Parker says, Nice. Family is so important. So now that your wife has gone on a hunt, maybe she will let you increase the waterfowl budget. And Erdly, Erdly Bird (laughs) said, E-A-R-D-L-E-Y Bird says, the blind conversation went way feminine. Even Georgie was groaning. Mm -hmm. So what thoughts do you have about any of those comments or just that experience of that hunt in general?
2: I guess I have to agree with the comments because we were just talking about silly stuff and it's not what you normally talk about on hunts.
1: Yeah. Is there anything from the hunt? Cause that was the first hunt that you had gone on. Um, anything that surprised you that you found interesting, different than you expected
2: Um, There was a point in the video which I was asking you when the birds were going to come or how did you know that they were just going to come to that spot? And, I mean, they just came right as you said that. And so, I guess, I just never really thought about how you get the birds to come.
3: (laughs) I don't know.
1: Yeah, and... In the video, and I'll put this video in the Facebook group, North American Waterfowler Facebook group, but we had just set up and I I put a GoPro over the boat because I really wanted to make sure that I was getting all of the conversation. So I don't do that very often. It's a a unique perspective for my videos where a GoPro was just down into the boat. And then I had a GoPro in the decoys and I had my big camera and we had not even fully set up, like just finished. And she says, Because there was no ducks around anywhere. Of course, I had seen some driving in, but she, you know, someone who hasn't been hunting doesn't see the birds flying typically. And so she's like, how are you going to get them to come in here? And Penelope says, a duck call. And I looked up and there was like 10 to 15 teal just coming right in. And I scrambled over, jumped up, went to shoot him. And I didn't have a shell in the barrel. And it was click.
2: Yeah. I just thought that there was probably a lot more waiting, I guess. I didn't think that they would come right in. I don't know if that's typical.
1: It just depends on the hunt. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you can wait all day and not see anything. So it just depends on the hunt. And that was an evening one. But that was, that was pretty, did you enjoy the hunt?
2: Yeah. But that's because you didn't take me on a really long one. You needed to do it just really short.
1: Yeah. We, the thing was, I don't know. I'll let, see if you think this is me being manipulative. I wanted to go out hunting, but I knew that I had been hunting a lot and I was kind of pushing it a little bit. And so I thought, well, if I ask you guys to come and you agree, then I'll definitely I get-. knew
2: that's what you were doing.
1: <laughs> so I wanted you guys to yeah. come. But at the same time, I knew that up to my ch- my chances of of going on the hunt.
2: Yeah, you didn't have to say it because I already knew that. And I also know that if we go on a family hike at certain times of the year so that you can be scouting and looking at <laughs> ducks, I do know that
1: do you find that to be i mean it's a little manipulative you find that be negative no because and and we we were talking about this last night it's like no man wants to be in the position of like asking his wife permission as like the mom like in that role yeah but can i go can i go out and play with my friends and so
2: but that if you have that dynamic in this area it's probably in a lot of areas and we just don't have that between me and you
1: Right. So I wouldn't say there are definitely times where I run things by you, but it's not like, well, it really depends because I know when you're exasperated from all my hunting. And so if I know you're really exasperated and it's not a normal hunt scenario, but I really want to do it. um, Then I go into talking about it with like, okay, I know that you, love me and, and, and respect what I love to do. And you're patient about it. So I go into it with, I'm going to see how you feel about this. And if I can tell you you really don't like, it, I'm just not going to go. Yeah. So it's not like, and I might phrase it as, do you mind if, but it's not the dynamic of feeling like you have to ask your
2: mommy. Yeah. And it's not fun for either one of us to ask each other permission to do what we want to do we respect each other more than that
1: right right so so on this hunt i'm going to play some audio clips for for you guys it was after work i don't remember what day of the week it was and it was teal season so i knew if, if i was all ready we could get home buzz out there after work and we could get in like an hour hour and a half of hunting just a real quick hunt it was a beautiful day the weather was perfect We had our um, 18 foot boat with the boat blind. So I knew it was going to be comfortable, easy. And she made, she made um, sandwiches and everything. And so we buzzed out there and it really couldn't have gone a whole lot better. I I mean, I could have shot more, but I had four opportunities to kill, kill birds. One, one, I didn't have shells in the barrel. One, I just whiffed. And then two, I connected on and, There was a hawk flying. It was beautiful. I thought you guys really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. Perfect scenario.
1: And the conversation was fantastic. And you and Penny were really, really fun and funny. And so made for a fantastic video. We should watch that tonight after this, because I watched it last night.
2: I thought we were going to watch it right now.
1: Well, we're going to watch some clips, but we'll watch the whole thing. So let's go ahead and go into, I'm going to run some clips for you guys from the hunch about two and a half minutes where I just kind of, put um, my favorites in there and then we will get right back to you and kind of talk about what we see or what you hear. Okay. Alright, here we go. Well, you guys got to see your very first set of ducks decoy.
2: I can't believe I've known you for like 10 years and never experienced any of this. People with beards have an advantage in hunting because it camouflages their face. It does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's why God gave him to
0: you? I don't know. I think more to keep your face warm.
2: But they look uncomfortable. They're
3: not.
2: Uh, but how come women don't have them? Well, I'm glad.
3: Because women are supposed clean. to be beautiful they and that would not pen. be attractive. Be quiet,
2: Penny. I'm asking Elliot, what do you think? Oh, I'm just the Women so are happy. The ones that
1: stick around doing the nesting.
2: But I'm curious what they'd be like, so I wonder what it would be like to be a bearded woman. Uh, that's going to be a short video. You should stop wondering that right now. I'm not going to try to grow a beard,
3: Mom. You
1: should, Benny. You should totally do that. Good.
3: Okay. <laughs> the birds on the
1: left right here. Ah oh, I missed them. I missed them. I
2: really that was a really bad shot. That <laughs>
1: was a really bad shot. I thought you three. were better than that. I, I had this, this I idea of
2: you built up in my mind.
1: I thought I was too. <laughs> you were close. I know, I know.
2: Yeah, they were too close. They weren't too to close, I just,
1: them. I just blew it. I emasculated myself in front of my wife right now. You should be
2: embarrassed. Wow. I feel like uglier (laughs) animals taste better than prettier animals. Because, like, cows taste better than horses, I'm pretty sure, and chickens taste better than ducks.
1: You haven't tried a horse.
2: I'm pretty sure that a cow would taste better than a horse. What would make you think that? Because I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure people have said, I'm pretty sure people have said that 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 horse is gross
1: all right so how long has it been since you've watched that video
2: um well i heard it earlier when you were playing it
1: (laughs) so do you have any thoughts or comments on any of the blind conversation that took place on that
2: some of it was embarrassing
1: which parts were embarrassing
2: i guess i i don't even i don't know
1: i loved it because you beth is not the type to really tease she she's not now my daughter penelope is very fun to tease but beth isn't really she just doesn't because i don't
2: have a reaction right
1: she doesn't really have a reaction so she's not that fun to tease and she doesn't tease me back but you were really giving it to me (laughs) when i missed that shot
2: yeah i don't remember
1: i thought that was pretty funny i thought that was pretty funny is you weren't you were not messing around and there was A lot of the comments on the video were around the blind conversation. I think that's what everyone loves so much. There's just so many little quirky things that, um, girls say, at least my girls say.
2: No, but that's how, that's the level of conversation we have on a daily basis. So,
1: (laughs) yeah. So do you think you'd want to come out hunting again?
2: Yeah.
1: I know that I really, really, um, loved having you out there.
2: Yeah. And I appreciate you taking me out when it's not too hot and not too cold. There's no bugs. It The sun wasn't even in my eyes. Right. It was nice and short. So I think that you pretty much pampered me.
1: Now I will say this. I know that there is plenty of female outdoors, women, female hunters out there. This is not I'm one
2: not of- one. Yes. So they get all the respect, but right. um, I'm not like that. So. so if
1: you feel like I'm stereotyping women, I'm not. I'm just talking about mine. Yeah. She is not very outdoors. outdoorsy.
2: No, but every time that you make me go and do stuff in the outdoors, I end up enjoying it. But I don't think of it myself. Yeah. Unless it's just like a walk down the road. but
1: Right. But, but I, I've gotten her to go camping once. Every time I get her out, she pretty much enjoys it. But there's always a moment...
2: And the reason why it's only been one time camping is because you chose to do it on a night that was really cold and it was like sleeping on ice. And (laughs) that was just awful.
1: That video is on my channel too, where I took Dan and his daughter and then my whole family, we went um, out into the woods, walked a mile, set up a camp. It got down to 45 that night. And uh, I mean... It was, a you know, 45 a night with a nice sleeping bag isn't that big of a deal. But to her, it was like it might as well have been zero degrees.
2: I will admit I'm someone who's hard to please.
1: (laughs) When it comes to that stuff, for sure. In fact, she told me that she was mad at me the whole night (laughs) while she was sleeping because she was so cold that she was mad at me.
2: Yes, but then we quickly got over it when we made (laughs) pancakes with creek water and they were the best pancakes ever. Then everyone was in a good mood after that.
1: (laughs) But when you woke up and came out of the tent and sat there on that log yeah you did not you were obviously not not happy but when you made the pancakes and they were amazing and then everyone was smiling and and you had you enjoyed it
2: yeah i got over it quick enjoyed
3: it oh she's wonderful Stand-
4: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: So let's get into kind of the main part of this podcast. And I want to talk about when we were dating. So when we first started dating, no one in your family hunts, um, no one, you didn't have any experience with hunting do you remember any of your first perceptions when we first started hunting and you realized that i duck hunted and i did it a lot
2: i literally never thought about duck hunting ever maybe the duck dynasty people i had thought of them but other than that it's just not on my radar and so you would like always be blowing your duck call and i just thought it was so funny i don't know why it just came across like really comical to me like you're just being like you're just making a joke
1: yeah like you saw it as like someone with one of those party favors
2: yeah like he was blowing a kazoo
1: right (laughs) right do do you remember at what point you realized how much i duck hunted and how much it means to me and how into it i am yes (laughs) <laughs> and what were your, what what were your thoughts around
2: that? Um, well, you did not slow down on your duck hunting. I mean, I don't know how much you did before me, but it seemed like you did it a lot while we were dating mm-hmm. and what you did a lot was bring me along like with your mom and dad. And um, I was staying in the camper. Why like hang out with your mom while you and your dad went hunting. And so I just i guess i got to see that a lot so um i got used to it
1: yeah and for those of you that don't know my hunting routine i do have a, a monday through friday job so i basically hunt every saturday from september to the end of january mm-hmm. and then i um or if early season september and october i take three or four trips where i'm gone all weekend and take off days like you know two three four day trips and then when it comes to Thanksgiving and Christmas, I try to get as much as I can. So I am, I get in about 30 to 35 hunts from September 1, clear through maybe a couple of snow goose hunts.
2: Yeah, and you have those pretty much planned out like the, in the spring. I mean, you right. almost know what your schedule is um, several months ahead of time. Yeah, I've actually
1: started working on it. Uh, yeah i'm not surprised
2: um and so what i asked you to do was to try to load those um camping trips um more at the beginning and middle rather than at the very end because if you take a lot of trips at the very end that's whenever i'm just done i'm kind of hoping you will stop hunting Mm -hmm. and it's just harder for me emotionally during that time and so You've tr- you've made a good effort to do that for me because that's probably the only request that I have.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, and that's not just like a uh, set in stone rule. I mean, no. I do take some trips late season, but she would much rather me be gone a lot more September and October than December January as far as trips
2: go. Yeah, out. unless you had some other reason, and so I mean, if it's if it's a good reason, I don't care.
1: Yeah. Um. What is. What are your thoughts about women, how they should handle men and their hunting passions um, that take up a lot of their time and their money and, and, and their mental space?
2: Well, um, I have a lot of interest myself, so I guess I want you to be supportive and want me to do the things that I'm passionate about. So I want to also give you that respect I guess in in the room to do the things that are passionate for you because it really what it does is it it keeps you mentally healthy and if you didn't have some outlet like that then I'm sure that you would become depressed in some type of way
1: right yeah and I absolutely and I will say for me personally is that I don't have a lot of interests. I I like to duck hunt. Yeah. And if I'm not waterfowl hunting, then I'm hanging out around you. Yeah. It's like, I don't go out with buddies. I don't go to out drinking. Yeah. I don't go even hang out for football games. It's like, I really, I want to be waterfowl hunting or I want to be
2: just hanging out. And when you say hanging out, you mean like five or 10 feet from me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Right. So Beth is a um, children's book illustrator. And so sh- her profession is she works between four to 10 hours a day, depending on the day illustrating. And so it works out really, really well for us because in our, in our main room, she has her place. She sits on one side of the room and I have the place that I sit on the other and where they're facing each other. And then the TV is to the left. So she is content. To just work on her children's books, and she's very successful. With it. She how many published books are finished?
2: Um, like fourteen or fifteen, maybe. Right.
1: So I mean, she cranks them out, and, and and so she's working. That that's her passion, and so she's more than happy to sit there and work on that. And I will sit on at my couch, and and I'll Edit. either I'll either be editing. Working on thumbnails. I've got one video game I play, or we're watching Netflix. But
2: we're all, what the key is, is that we're available for each other and we're um, oriented towards each other. Like, and I mean, not only just physically, but um, in our just the way we carry ourselves. Like, um, we're ready for a conversation,
3: mm-hmm.
2: ready for hearing about the other person's day. And so, you make me feel like I'm a priority, like number one priority other than hunting.
1: Right. And I definitely could, that's something I've had to work on and I still suck at sometimes is giving you my ear enough because my attention span is really, really short.
2: Well, when you have your headphones on, that's, that's one thing that I'm like um, that's a visual cue that I can't say anything right now or that he's not going to hear me unless I really motion to him. But um I would say that's the only thing.
1: Well, there's there's been multiple times in our marriage where you've had to come to me and talk to me about when me looking at my phone when you're talking to me,
3: not mm-hmm. scolding
1: me, but just kind of like you need more face-to-face time than I do.
2: Because I don't talk to anyone all day.
1: Right. Well, and I think generally <laughs> speaking, women need more face time than men do, just in general. Probably. And so that's something that I have let you down at at times where... I come home from work and, and it's something that, that, that we have to work on. Um, but that being said, when I'm not waterfowl hunting, generally speaking, we're hanging out. Yeah. You
2: know? And I think that what this pattern that we've gotten into, if you're looking at your phone and I see that you're texting or something like that, then I ask you, are you done? And then I say what I want to say, because if I just launch into something, then usually you're like, what? I didn't hear you. Mm-hmm. So that, is one thing is that I just try to wait for the moment to talk to you.
1: And there have been times where like with Marco Polo that, that we're out doing something or maybe on a date night and I'm Marco people too much. And you've gotten a little annoyed with me. I mean, that, that's happened a couple of times. I'm sure that
2: happens with everyone. Right. But um, actually one thing that you do is when we're on a date, a lot of times they'll just hand me your phone yeah, and I'll put it in my purse with my phone. And then we're just kind of like, Really, not looking on our phones then.
1: Yeah, I've got to do that. I, I, my attention span is really, really short, and so I find myself, you know, automatically
2: looking, at automatically, automatically
1: looking on my phone even when there's nothing to look at.
3: Yeah, I think like everyone going, does that. Going through
1: a pattern of just looking at it and yeah. looking at it, and it's like, oh my gosh, can you please? In fact, I really would love to more times when I leave the house just leave my phone behind.
2: It kind of feels freeing.
1: Yeah, we were in at Freddy's the other day. And I didn't have my phone. I just, I just forgot to bring it. I didn't have it at church mm-hmm. and we went to Freddy's and I was, I went and got a booth and I was, you were doing the ordering and the kids were getting drinks and stuff. And I was saving the booth.
2: What and did you do?
1: I sat there and just watched people <laughs> yeah. and I ridiculed them in my mind. It was really, really it was fun.
2: fun. <laughs> no, yeah. There
1: was actually a group of uh, baseball kids there and they had just gotten done with their game. They were probably seventh, eighth grade and I just watched them. And I watched, yeah. just watched them, not in a critical way, but just like, you know, who's kind of the leader of the pack. And I was thinking, I know if I would had my phone that at least, at least part of that time I would have been on my phone. And I felt, I felt myself so relaxed and at peace,
2: yeah,
1: just sitting there, both kind of arms up, leaning back. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really nice. And, and so this, I really want to, I want to do stuff where, Hey, let's go out and have dinner and just leave our phones at home.
2: Like all of us, all our kids too.
1: But it's it's so ridiculous because we think, well, what if, well, what if this happens? What I lived, I didn't have a phone until I was like 23. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I made it. I was okay. Yeah. Right.
2: One thing I like is that Penny and Elijah are not really big phone users. Right. Not like, I think I see other kids really look at their phones, mm-hmm. but they are more, they will rarely grab their phone. And, and so- There might, they might be better at it than us.
1: They're better at I'm bad about it. I really am. Especially if I've got a lot of stuff going on with like a lot of videos coming out where it's constant comments, notifications and stuff.
2: And other YouTubers are constantly in communication with you, whether it be on Marco Polo or texting or whatever, like I, you guys have something going on.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've definitely developed a close knit group, whether it's Jake or Titus or Jordan, or talk to Josh sometimes, Matt sometimes, the, the Flyways guys, or Aiden, or even um, your
2: dad. Yeah, my
1: dad. Um, right. Or developers working on the app. It's like, yeah. right. I'm pretty busy when it comes to just communicating with people. And a lot of times it's just fun, for fun. Yeah. It's just fun to have a community of like minded guys that, which is one thing that you don't really have in your life. It's like, I have all this group around mm-hmm. me that are, that, that have podcasts and
2: that's so weird because most of my life I've been a really social person Mm -hmm. and um, it's kind of flipped like because I'm so into working on my books and stuff like that. And that brings me a lot of joy. I just don't have a community around me like you do. Yeah. I'm a little bit jealous.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into, and I've, I've gone through these before. I've actually put out a couple of videos on this one with my mom um, there was a long, old, 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 old video, uh, but where I go through just some tips for guys who want to keep their wives slash girlfriends happy around their duck hunting. I'm gonna read these off. I'm gonna, and we'll just talk about them as I go through them, okay. and then we can pick up whatever conversation we want after that's done. Okay, so here's number one rule to keep your wife slash girlfriend kind of happy or content on your duck honey. Number one. So when you are dating a girl, you make absolutely certain that you hunt as much as you think you're going to want to later in life. Um, when you meet a girl and you're in that infatuation phase and you're just so like the movie type of love feelings, not the real, real love is, is hardcore commitment and work effort. That's real love. Movie love is just those tingly infatuation feelings that that fade away. Whether that's like, you just think about them every second and you're just so happy and you're so in love. It is very, very easy to want to stay up too late with them on a Friday night or be with them all day Saturday and skip your hunting. You cannot make that mistake. You've got to force your, you have to see past that moment into the future. How much are you going to want to hunt when you, are married when you've been, if, when you're married for 10 years, when you're married for 20 years, how much are you going to want to hunt? Cause it's, it's number one, it's not fair to a woman. It's like a bait and switch for you to barely hunt a little bit while you're dating. And then all of a sudden that newness wears off the infatuation wears off. And then you spring it on them that you want to do this all the time. It's, it's not fair to them. And you need to be seeing how they're going to react to it. How are they going to handle it? Can they handle it? Um, it's very, very important. What do you think about that?
2: I totally agree. I think that's just about being an honest person and that applies to lots of different things in your life. You have to show them the person that you are, not the one that you think that they want you to be.
1: Yeah. And that's very, very difficult to do when you're dating in general. I mean, you and I, we didn't, you think about when we got married versus now, how much better do you know me truly inside and out now after changing marriage and when we got married?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, we didn't really fully know each other. We didn't fully know each other in conflict, which is a huge thing. Um, we didn't know. We did not really know each other's faults when mm-hmm. we got married. And that's where the, that's where the love kicks in. That's yeah. where the commitment kicks in. It's like, yeah, I'm horribly flawed. Guess what? I'm horribly flawed. You're horribly flawed. We're both sinful people. Are we going to roll up our sleeves and put in the work it takes to push through that and still love each other completely?
2: Yeah. It helps whenever you have a father-in-law that takes you out to Taco Bell and tells you that I tend to give people the silent treatment. Right. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, my father-in-law took me out to Taco Bell and he gave me some words of advice for my wife about about her and those certainly Came to pass. That's one conflict we really, really had is that I, when I get into conflict, I cannot do. That's
2: the the last thing that you want
1: is silent treatment, Is
2: silent treatment. That's the worst punishment that you could give him is a silent treatment. Mm -hmm. But that's my number one thing that like my coping mechanism Mm -hmm. other than falling asleep during an argument.
1: Yeah. When we first got married, we started getting argument and she'd just be falling. It made me so mad. She would like be falling asleep. And finally, and at I had narcolepsy. I'm, at first, I'm like, you, "It's like I took it as you just don't care," but it's not. It's like it's when you feel really stressful, yeah, it, you need a little nap.
2: It's like my brain literally shuts down, and I will start falling asleep whenever I'm just stressed out.
1: So what I what we have kind of because I can hand, if she will say I need time and go away and be silent, I can handle that. Yeah, what I can't handle is just. I'm mad at you, so I'm giving you the silent treatment and I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to refuse to engage.
2: That was our worst one, fight one of we've our worst ever fights. had. Well, there's
1: a time where you bashed me with a trash can.
2: not why you bring that up. <laughs> it was a
1: plastic trash can. I don't can. even remember why. <laughs> you got why. mad and you picked I'm it up sure. over your head and like threw it at me.
2: I'm sure you remember why. I don't remember, <laughs> I don't
1: remember why. It During COVID.
2: Oh, COVID. It's during, so stressful.
1: During COVID, we had a stressful few months where we were yeah. kind of... Um,
2: Emotions were just running on high. I'm sure it was with everybody.
1: And there was one of those times where you threw threw an empty light. It was it's an empty light trash can, and you kind of chucked it at me.
2: It didn't hurt you. No, it didn't
1: hurt me at all. I I see it as funny.
2: And then I went down the to the end of the hill, and I was sitting at the construction site, and my kids rode their bikes down there.
1: You went a mile and a half, or a mile, uh, three fourths of a mile away. Yeah, nobody
2: really knew where I was. I didn't know where you were. I hope you weren't worried.
1: I, d- I think I drove down there and looked,
2: but no, well, if you did, Penny and Elijah stopped and they didn't know that I was right there and I could hear them. Cause I was a little further, like out of their sight and they started talking. Yeah. Penny was bad mouthing me <laughs> and she was on your side and she was like, I was right. I don't know why mom has to be like that. And <laughs> you know, Elliot was right. And, um, she was bad mouthing <laughs> me, throwing me under the bus. And then I heard Elijah go, um, Penny and I think he was pointing <laughs> at me and then she was like oh no and she rode her bike home crying because. just in tears because she had like this betrayed me I guess yeah in her mind
1: but really they, they're they're just like weighing it out like I'm sure kids do that all my parents never really fought so I, I never really did that but <laughs> I mean we don't fight much either but I'm yeah. sure the kids like talk like who was right who do you think was right who do you think was wrong because then recently Penny was saying that I was wrong on one well, you and I you yelled at me in the car.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds to people that we fight all the time. We don't, though. We, we never do hardly. No, we, ever we don't fight,
1: hard. fight hardly. We don't fight hardly at all. Okay, so number two. Um, when you go on a duck hunt and you're gonna you're telling your wife when you're gonna be back, you have one or two options that'll work. Either just be vague and say, I'm not really sure, I'll let you know, or pin it like two to four hours after you think you're actually going to be home because a lot of times now now like with with beth you you're the point now where if i say 12 you you know that's a loose number so you don't really care but
3: mm-hmm.
1: with a lot of women if you say i'm gonna be home at 12 and you're on at three you're instantly in trouble where if you think you're going to be home at 12 but you say three o'clock it just gives you flexibility if you build up a lot of time because this is typically if you're a hunter like me and it's a saturday um women value their saturdays and they want to be able to plan it out and they if they maybe want to have dinner ready for you or maybe they want to go out to dinner with you or or what it what it is and here they're thinking oh even if like a a woman's like oh you know i love him i want him to hunt but but in their mind they're excited about what's going to happen when you get home at twelve. And then you're constantly being late. It's
2: never 12.
1: <laughs> well, for a lot of people, it is for a lot of people. Yes. It is, but yeah, I mean, I, we stay out late, but that can erode their patience.
2: Yeah. Right? Uh, and I um, have a bit of advice probably for wives is that I just resign myself to the fact that I don't care when he comes home and I, because I used to care and then I would be disappointed if it wasn't right when I thought. And, um, So I just decided that I wasn't going to let it bother me, that I was just going to go on with my plans and that I was going to have a good time with my kids or, you know, make plans with my sister or whatever I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. It was my day and I'm not going to even worry about what you're doing. So as long as I, I just really didn't care when you come home, except for maybe if it's like, you know, getting dark then I might start getting worried mm-hmm. that something happened to you. I don't think I've ever gotten to that point. The true
3: love is the burden that will carry.
1: And a couple of side notes to kind of add on to that is when you're dating um, a girl, it's if you can find one who has hobbies of her own, that is really, really beneficial. One thing that I greatly benefit from is your job, which is being a children's book illustrator is your passion. And I would
2: do it even if I wasn't getting paid.
1: Right. And you're happy doing it. So you don't need I'm not your hobby. Right. Right. You don't want to be a girl's hobby.
2: I can self-entertain very easily.
1: Right. And so as you're dating, you want to make sure you don't want to be your girl's hobby. If she has hobbies, it makes a huge difference.
2: And I think actually it makes a more well-rounded person if they have hobbies, yeah. because then they're not always just dependent upon someone else.
1: Right. And I will also say, Then we talked about this in our relationship, um, in my previous relationship, which was a failed marriage, I wasn't following Jesus and I had a hole in my heart that was, was vacant because that's where my relationship with God should be. And I was expecting women in my life to feel that, fill that void.
2: Were you really needy?
1: Way more needy. Yes. I, yeah. Right. Uh, so I was, I was that's needy. a turn off. I, well, I mean, if someone's really needy, I, I don't know how to coin it as needy, but I know that I expected, I looking back on it, it's a different relationship than I have with you because we talked about like Jesus Christ is at the center of our life and we circle around that versus expecting a woman to bring me my completeness and my happiness. Like yeah. in the movies, they'll say, You complete me, right? And no, that's yeah, you. You are. We are complementary to each other. Yeah. In our relationship with Jesus, that's that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And we follow the biblical teachings of what what I'm called to do for you is a very very high standard. To love you completely and and um, it's a very high standard, but it's not to fill your soul. That's not my job, and that's not your job to for me either. And so I I think as, as, as a man, we've got to make sure that we've got that relationship correct as also. Right. Next one, number three. And I realized this one time I can remember the moment this happened. Dan and I were coming back from a hunt and you called me (laughs) strategically knowing what I was doing and we're, sweetly asking me if you could... I don't remember what you wanted to buy.
2: Some boots. Some
1: boots or something. And I think that you... I think this was fully intentional that you knew exactly when to ask this question. I have
2: to admit, I knew what I was doing.
1: And not that I'm your boss. I mean, if you had bought them. I, I am... I kind of handle the finances. I do the spreadsheets. Well, I keep back our then
2: it's, we hardly had any money to work with, so I had to be like, "Uh, can I buy this?"
1: Right? Yeah, because your business hadn't taken off yet, yeah. and it was a little more challenging to make ends meet. So I don't want to make it like I you have to get my permission to everything that you buy. But I mean, if I'm going to buy something of, of value, like before I bought this this new mic, I talk to you about it and everything. But the the, the if you guys, we spend a lot of money on decoys. We spend a lot of money on all our waterfowl equipment. At strategic times, make sure that you can reciprocate that with your girl. Yeah. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Let them spend sometimes. Number four. And you know what? You can even sometimes make it. Hey, I'm buying um, some decoys. How about I buy decoys? And you get on Amazon, you know, something like that.
2: Yeah. That, that would win you lots of money.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, number four don't ruin your wife's evening when you get back from a hunt you you don't you can't and I've tried this but it doesn't really work with Beth because she sees my red eyes and but I tried (laughs) very very hard when I get back if she wants to go out to eat dinner or she wants to do something I don't say no, I'm just too tired. I try to accommodate
2: or them. you can be willing to go the next day or the day before. Right. On a date. If yeah. you can't, if you're too tired that night, that's understandable. But you're not gonna be like, Well, for the whole duck hunting season, we're never going to go on a date. Yeah. That's just not gonna be helpful.
1: And really more than just don't run the evening is make sure that there are times throughout the week that you are setting aside. For your wife or your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like last night. Uh, we had to take Georgie to the vet. I was going to take Georgie to the vet. And I was like, hey, why don't you come me come with me? We'll take Georgie to the vet and we'll go out to eat. And we had a really nice time. Yeah. So make sure that you are filling up that, that emotional bank account with your girl. So that when you do hunt, she's not feeling neglected. She's not feeling left out.
2: It's a mindset because... Everyone knows as a wife or a girlfriend, if you're not the priority in your husband's life, I mean, I know how that feels, not with, not because of you.
1: <laughs> you looked at me right when you said that.
2: <laughs> not because of you, but we have both been married before. This is our, um, we're a blended family. So we came in with kids and so we do know what it's like to be hurt. And, um, you don't treat me like that. So, and I know that you want to be with me when you're away from me. I just am so sure of that. You've like made me feel really secure. And so I, I, I have nothing to worry about.
1: Right. Well said, uh, the last one and I, and I joke about this when I say this, but I am dead. I am dead serious on this point. When you are dating a girl, If during the dating phase, she's nagging at you and making you miserable about your waterfowl hunting, you need to break up with her and move on. Because if she is during the dating infatuation phase, she won't tolerate it. If you marry that girl and you get five, 10, 15 years in, she's going to put the clamps down on you and it's going to be miserable more than likely.
2: I agree. And I do agree because I think that if somebody is making you. Um feel guilty, making you feel like they owe you, like you owe them, that's going to come out in lots of other areas, not just duck hunting. I think that it's a trait that's a toxic trait in general. And so if you can't be like caring about the other person, what makes them feel uh, filled up uh, emotionally and what helps them to be a healthier person. Everybody should have that in their life because I think it's a well-rounded person who has passions and gets to pursue them. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I would not understand the mindset of someone who wouldn't understand that about their husband who absolutely thinks that their husband should live to be doing everything for everyone else to the point where everyone that's going to cause burnout and a life without joys coming through the things that you love is a life that is really hard and becomes monotonous, becomes like toiling. And I think ultimately in some situations it could lead to divorce because it can make him feel like he can never please you. Like he can never be the man that you want him to be. And so you have to let him Be filled up, you have to let him have an outlet. And also, you as a wife need that yourself. You need to have those things that make you feel full of joy and things that make you feel like life is worthwhile.
1: That's, yeah, that's awesome. And I want to give some general marriage um, thoughts in a moment. But before that, I want to say, there was a point in which about my hunting, it came to a head when we were dating. I let her know how important hunting to me was and that it was something I was going to do. So then she agreed. She verbally agreed to that. But then early in our marriage, I kind of held that over her head. Like I told you, I told you during and, and I was kind of beating her over the head with a little bit. And now that I'm older, I'm much more understanding about it. And I remember one time I can, when you standing in the bedroom at our old house And you just, it was the end of the season and I had just been going so hard at it and you were just tired of it, but you didn't feel like there was any space for you to comment on it at all because I was kind of using that as a hammer. And you said, I just don't feel like I have any say in your hunting life ever. And I just want a little say, Do you remember that? No. And I
2: don't remember that at all. I do. That's... And
1: because it hit me hard and and I reflected on it, and then I started thinking how can i I tried to change my attitude a little bit to where I wanted you to have say and and the way that it kind of came out it came out in my whole attitude of how I approached the whole thing, but you started getting a veto card that that you would use you've only used twice.
2: Yeah, and I only have um mainly one reason.
1: So you sh- you can have I say that reason? Yeah, you can say whatever you want.
2: Okay, so the only time that I've really used it Oh well, maybe one was for like, um, a family emergency, um, dealing with like, well,
1: but you didn't even ask on that one.
2: Okay. But that was like mutual. And obviously we were going through that... something really difficult just personally and with our family. And you're like, I'm not going to need
1: it. Yeah. Cause that meant the world to you. Yeah. Cause I had Jake and Matt Vachi and Greg were here.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. We had
1: company in the house and we had a family. And you're like, there's just no way I'm I like, can there's go. There's no way I can go. And so I, and, but you didn't have any idea that I would. Cause can- canceling hunts just don't seem to don't really happen, but right.
2: anyway. Well, I really appreciated that you did that because in moments that are like the hardest moments of life, you have to feel supported, but I'm um, glad that you had perceived that. Cause I didn't even <laughs> have to ask for it, but I, um, the other time was whenever it was really, really icy outside. And it was just like, if you drove at all, it you just, it was, treacherous. Sliding
1: it was treacherous on the
2: road yeah and so i was just so nervous about that and i was like please do not go uh and i know that you probably get you gave me some pushback on it like you were like beth i'll be fine you're just too worried and i'm like you know what i never ask you don't go and uh, i feel very strongly about this please do not go and you're like i think it helped that i just never ask you not to go. Cause you're like, all right, I'll give you that. I don't really agree, but I will do this for you because you asked. Right. That was the only reason because I asked.
1: Yeah. And so I, since you, since we had that moment where you were like, I just don't ever have any say, I have tried to make you feel like you do have some say
3: yeah. in it yes.
1: and stopped using it as a, cause I remember my attitude used to get anytime that I would feel like I didn't want you to go. I would. My attitude became the wrong attitude. I don't know how to describe it. And I would go back to well, you, you mean- knew that I was going to hunt, and I told you, and you agree, You knew that I always hunt, right? And instead of just being like gracious and and uh, it's just a different just a different attitude.
2: Yeah, like it's a mindset. My opinion mattered, right? And that I wasn't completely blowing things out of proportion.
1: Yeah, and. As far as, as far as marriage goes, marriage is really, really hard. Marriage is very, very difficult. And both of us believe in marriage for life. And you have to be willing to work hard for that other person. Yeah. And that means, and I try to live by this. And sometimes I, sometimes I fail, but I, I know that I remind myself of this at times that I'm feeling frustrated with you is that how I treat my wife should not be dependent on how she treats me. I shouldn't now how she treats me. If she's treating me really, really well, which she does will get a better me naturally. But if I'm feeling annoyed with her, whatever, I know I've had to remind myself the way that I act to her, the love that I give her, the patience that I try, that I give her should not be dependent on my emotional feelings. I am called biblically to treat you that way and i don't always succeed at it but that's that is the way i think about it and if i want a change out of her about something which she's a great wife absolute wonderful wife but if i do want or if you want a change out of your wife then you need to act different to get that change that change is not going to happen through you i mean you can share your emotions and feelings But that change is going to happen from the way that you act. You can bring about the change by the way you behave.
2: I agree with that because I've said this so many times. Um, In my previous marriage, I tried to control what he was doing. I tried to be like his conscious conscience Mm -hmm. to him. Um, And I instead of just letting my actions stand for themselves i feel like i was like on a mission to like change somebody else and so coming into our marriage i feel like we're both like we just carried the memories of the previous marriages into this one and we're so grateful for each other and therefore i have also tried that like if i maybe i tend to kind of get on you probably more about like i would say like leaving stuff around the house or whatever yeah, but, but like when it really really matters like i just figure i'm like all right i'm just gonna pray for him and then if god wants him to change he will let him know about so that thing and usually it you, does work maybe usually that's why works.
1: you pray so much <laughs> <laughs> it usually all the works. changes i need to make
2: yeah <laughs> but usually i don't have to say anything to you you just think of it yourself
1: yeah that's great and I don't mind you getting on me about things around the house because you're you're the <laughs> one that keeps this place so wonderful. So I I definitely I definitely need reminders. But those of you North American waterfowlers, which if you're listening to this, that's what you are. This relationship between you and waterfowl hunting and your wife, it is something that you need to intentionally work on. Don't be selfish. Don't take your girl for granted be thoughtful about it and and work on it and and I think that you will end up with a much more peaceful home because if you're if you're out there hunting all the time and you don't have a peaceful home then you're just escaping.
2: Right, and the person knows when they're being escaped from. Mm-hmm. Believe me, they know it. And I don't ever feel like that from you. Yeah. I feel like you can't wait to get home to me.
1: Well, you're a very easy easy woman to be married to, quite honestly.
2: Oh, like... I love you. <laughs>
1: So you have anything else that uh, you want to say or add? I think that's about, uh, I'm said about everything I want to say? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And if you are not over at Patreon yet, we actually have a bunch of patrons watching this live and listening to it. Come on over to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. And you too can be a part of these live streams where you're commenting, seeing the video thread, actually having a chance to come and join on the podcast with me and also a chance to come and hunt with me, which I'm going to be giving away that drawing in August.
2: And if you come and hunt, that means I make you food.
1: <laughs> yeah. She is quite the host. And yeah, typically speaking, uh, cause season one winner has stayed at our house. I don't know, 10 different, 12 a lot. nights. <laughs> we love him. Yeah. And, uh, season two winner, we have plans for him to come. I can't wait for my family to He's just like the big giant awesome teddy bear that I would the Hulk. He's he's <laughs> awesome. So yeah, it's it's a great, it's a great event. I absolutely love, love, love that giveaway.
2: Someone said, okay, but how does Beth like eating duck? Oh, why did he ask that question? So
1: Captain Casey on the thread. Oh. She doesn't like eating it, but she can cook it really, really well.
2: And the only reason I don't like eating it is because it's got like a very Distinct smell when I'm cooking it that kind of is off putting to me, yeah. But you know, when Joel has made it, yeah, he can cook,
1: he's a he's almost a professional chef level, yes. He was the chef at Cypress Crossing,
2: yeah. He knows what he's doing. I love the duck that he made, yeah. So I don't know, you're not a very picky eater, so maybe you like the duck I made. I don't know, you I mean,
1: make it really well. I, I think make, that if it was prepared for you by someone else, like yeah. those Southwest egg rolls you make. I'll guarantee you... Everyone
2: likes those. If
1: no one, if someone prepared that for you and brought it and put it on a plate yeah. in front of you, you would love it.
2: Yeah, and then I make Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody loves Panko those. Panko
1: crust duck.
2: You like that? I don't know. I like that. Yeah, um,
1: I love it. We don't like any of the duck. Come on.
2: If I was going to like it, I will say the ones I like. Yeah. But I would say like duck tacos. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I would love to take some classes to learn how to make it better.
1: Yeah. I love how it's So she won't eat it, but she will prepare it. So, and it's delicious. So anyway, that's all we've got today. Don't forget, come join us over at Patreon. And if you like this episode, please give a moment and give a five-star review and a comment until next time. This is Elliot with my wife, Beth, and you have listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast.
3: Oh, she's wonderful. Stand.